You might be an atheist if... Well, we are looking at the growing trend of functional atheism. What are the signs of a functional atheist, even if you are a professing Christian? Join us on this episode of The Unapologetic Show. Hello, Thinking Christians. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we make the case for why Christianity still makes sense with Dr. Bobby Conway, a pastor and apologist who almost lost his faith. I'm your host, Tim Hall. As we continue in our series on beliefism today, we are going to be discussing functional atheism. Now, if you're listening to this on our audio-only podcast or on the radio, we would invite you to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash apologist. And while you're there, please like this video, subscribe, and consider sharing this video with your network. It's a completely free way to support this show, and it really helps us out. Now, if you have a belief system that you want us to tackle in this series, please let us know in the comments. So, Bobby, I think a great place to start always is kind of defining what we mean. So, what is a functional atheist? You know, I can't remember the first time I heard this term, but several years ago. And, man, it was just a very loaded term, the functional atheist. And what do we mean by a person who is a functional atheist. Tim, a functional atheist is a person who professes to believe in God and functions as if God does not exist. That is to say, they may go to church, they may read uh, their Bible from time to time, but in many compartments of their life, they're functioning as if God has not made a difference in their life or as if they don't want God to make a difference in their life. So unlike the apotheists who don't make belief claims about God's existence or non-existence, as we discussed last week, the functional atheist makes a belief claim. The functional atheist claims to believe in God, but they function like an atheist. That is, they function as if God doesn't exist. So in a sense, then, it's a profession without fruit bearing in their life. Hmm. Now, this can be on a trajectory of, of, of sorts, where some people are just absolutely, totally functioning as atheists in all arenas of their life, like uh, with their finances and their marriage, when they struggle and how they raise their kids and how they watch movies and listen to music and how they drink and their thought life. Uh, others um, will absolutely uh, believe in God, but they'll have moments or pockets where in those various areas that I just listed, that their belief in God doesn't make a difference or they don't rely on God. And that can be challenging because I think as Christians, we can all fall into it at times on one level or another. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to talk about some signs, you know, in, in more detail here in a little bit. But before we get to those signs, um, do you have any warnings for Christians that you would give about 
uh, functional atheism here? Well, as I just mentioned, I would say the warning is this, that none of us are above some level of functioning like an atheist. That is, I hate to admit it, but there's moments in my life, right? Like where I function like an atheist would. In other words, uh, instead of turning immediately to God in prayer, I might worry and fret and get anxious instead. Um, So this stuff can really happen. I would go so far as to say, Tim, that whenever we sin, we are functioning like an atheist because when we sin, we are um, acting as if God doesn't exist or we aren't bringing to bear what his existence implies. Now, granted, I could see somebody saying, yeah, but somebody could sin, and that doesn't mean that they're functioning like an atheist. They might just be mad at God and want to show him, and I'd say that's exactly what I would want to address as well. I mean, sometimes Christians sin because they're mad at God. I'm going to go out and just get inebriated, God, because you didn't provide for me. Hmm. I'll show you, God. <laughs> really, that doesn't you know, mean that they don't believe in. They're functioning like a theist, but they're functioning like a perverted one, hmm. a corrupt one. They're going to go and sin more because they're mad because they didn't get what they wanted. Right. So in general, I would say when we sin, uh, we are um, functioning like atheists. Paul Tripp is... Uh, done a lot of great good for the church. Uh, you know, kind of a, a counselor guy, writes practical books. Uh, but I came across a statement that he wrote as it relates to functional atheism. He says, yes, we believe that God exists, that he created the heavens and the earth, that the Bible is accurate, that paradise awaits. But we often live at a functional level as if there is no God. We run after God replacements too much. We do all these things because we have forgotten God's presence, power, and glory. And I think that that was a good warning to us all to constantly try to remember and practice the presence of God in our life, Tim. Yeah, and again, I man, that that quote really hits hard. Uh, you know, when you're thinking about just the idolatry in people's lives, whether it's our phone, our TV, our kids, our spouses, uh, you know, one of the other great activities that we have. But when those things start to be elevated above, uh, you know, the God of the universe and and the Lord of our life and our Savior, yeah, things can start to really get messed up in there. So, Bob, Bobby. Right. We're we're going to go through a list, and and though this list isn't exhaustive, you've identified kind of eight signs that you know if if you hold to these or whatever, you might be a functional atheist. And so I want us to go through those and and just talk about each one, uh, you know, as we're having a conversation here. And again, these aren't like if you've checked off one or two of these boxes, you'd like to be worried. But I think that warning that you just gave is really apropos. So let's go ahead through some of this list. Um, you might be a functional atheist if you only turn to God when life gets difficult. Talk to us a little bit about this. So yeah, this list uh, that I put together, I was doing some reflection. And I was reflecting on this functional atheism idea. And I just wanted to do some thought about, around, you might be a functional atheist if, and you're exactly right, Tim, as we go through this list, I would invite our listeners just to kind of do a an inward check, like yes, no, yes, no, uh, because the motivation that we have in doing this episode 
is to awaken us to where we might be asleep spiritually, Hmm. where we might be functioning as theists, more like atheists in the way that we shape and live our life. So yes, um, there are people who only turn to God when life gets difficult. And I think that that would imply then if you only turn to God when life gets difficult, then you function as if there is no God or as if God doesn't exist when life doesn't seem difficult. So in a sense, this person uses God. Uh, It's not really a love relationship. It's a relationship of using God to bail us out. It's like it's like the drug addict that gets in trouble and he goes to jail and he calls his friend or his parents to bail him out. Mm. But he just wants to be bailed out because he wants to get back to using drugs. And so there are people that only turn to God when life gets difficult and they want God to get them out of their difficulty, to bail them out of jail, so to speak. But They just want to go back to living as if God doesn't exist anyway. They don't want to go deeper with God. And so God is an escape uh, route for them. Hmm. They don't want to go to hell, so they'll say they believe in God, and they don't want to suffer. So it really is just God is what I believe in, so I don't have to suffer eternally apart from him, and so I don't have to suffer on earth. Yeah, I mean, and this is a really transactional view of a relationship with God. Yes, so, you know, when yeah, things exactly. Come up, you you go and you say, okay, whatever you need me to do, God, to get me out of this situation, to you know, to heal my kid or to heal my marriage or to to pass this test or to win this race or you know whatever it is, you know, to get out of the speeding ticket, if you will. Yeah. So I, I again, I, I would look if you're looking back at your life and you're saying, man. It's only in times when I really need something from God or I want things to work out to my benefit that I, I tend to turn to him. That, that's a that's a pretty decent warning sign. So, uh, And the, the second one goes along with it. The second one is that you don't consult God uh, various, or you don't consult God for various levels of decision-making. So th- again, this is, uh, uh, again, if you do this in your life, that doesn't mean that you're a functional atheist or that you don't really believe God exists. But talk to us a little bit about some of these examples of where we might not be going to God, where we really should be going to God. So in the first case, you're only going to God when you suffer. In the second instance, we're not consulting God as it relates to the various arenas of our life. So we kind of look at life and we see life as if we are our own master and we make our own decisions. And so this means that the person who doesn't consult God in these various areas, they're not looking to God to meet them in all areas of life. So like an atheist goes about raising their kids without considering God and his ways. And like an atheist who's married, but doesn't consider how God would want them to be married. And like an atheist who spends their money uh, without consideration about God and how he'd have them use it. So too, this person, uh, they think that their money's their money and they'll treat their spouse the way they want to treat their spouse without considering God. And they'll raise their kids the way that they want to raise their kids. And they'll watch what they want to watch and they'll go where they want to go and they'll do what they want to do. And so they're not seeking God, but a Christian approach to life would be God strengthen my marriage to my spouse. 
God, help me to love my wife like Christ loved the church. God, help my kids to come to know you in a powerful way and fill them with your spirit. And Lord, bless my local church and help me to serve there. And may you use the resources. All of my money is yours, God. May may you use what I give back to help build the church and make a difference in people's life. And, And God, my thoughts are yours today. Would you help me to take every thought captive? And Lord, my words... Uh, need to glorify you. Will you help me to speak words of life over people that are scripturally sound? And Lord, your word has been given to me as a gift. And I turn to your word to read it, to get guidance and direction in life. Um, That's what we're aiming to live like, Tim, as Christians, that all areas of life, God makes a difference. We're not functioning as atheists. We're functioning like we truly believe what we say we believe. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, so on this next one, I'll tell a little story. My, my daughter recently came into a relationship with Jesus. She accepted Jesus in her heart. Our, our The angels... Uh, you know, celebrated, uh, celebrated, and our, our household celebrated, our family celebrated. <laughs> we did too. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah, several people from the church and, and our Facebook community did. But but with that, she's been asking lots of questions, and one of them is around this idea of prayer. And so uh, another warning would be if your prayer life is nearly non-existent, and when you pray, it is heartless and rote. So I, I think what we've been trying to explain to her is what prayer really is. So talk to us just a little bit about um, you know our prayer life and how that. Might might point to our functional atheism, if you will. So prayer is engaging in the relationship that we have with God. And to not pray is to not engage in the relationship we have with God. And to be a Christian is to be in relationship with God. But to not pray is to act as if you're not in a relationship with God. Hmm. And to pray is to act like is if you're in a relationship to God. So prayer is relating to God. Uh, it's how we connect with him. And we see how important it was for Jesus. I mean, Jesus was constantly pulling away to get prayer with the Father. And so what we want in our life is to spend time praying, but prayer often just becomes our wish list. Hmm. And it needs to be something bigger than our wish list. We need to recognize his greatness. We need to talk about how amazing he is. We need to thank him. Uh, We need to confess sin. And then we have our wish list, so to speak, that we bring into his presence. Uh, But our prayer life, the more non-existent it becomes, the more we're functioning like an atheist. And so when we think about our prayers, for example, um, in the areas that I don't pray about in my life, we can spot the areas where we're functioning like an atheist in the way that we live our life. How do you know what areas of your life that we're functioning like an atheist? Well, what areas of our life do we not pray about? Do we not bring God into? So, well, I never pray about my marriage. Well, then our marriage, we're functioning atheistically in our marriage. Well, I never pray about my finances. I never pray about... so. This is getting back to, I think, learning how to pray about all spheres of our life, our thought life, our emotions, the way we treat others, our finances, our dreams, our relationships. Uh, We we take that before the Lord, and then God works through those prayers, and He shows up in our life in these different areas to give us strength, to give us power, and to show us that He's with us. 
Yeah. And so I I think these next two are maybe foundational to kind of this whole endeavor here. Uh, so you might be a functional atheist if you seldom think about God nor desire to know him better. So talk about, how, you know, what might come up in people's lives that they might not want to think about God or not desire him, and maybe how we can cultivate that in our life. So sometimes, Tim, um, you know, people will profess to believe in God, but they're functioning in a way that they don't think about the God that they profess to believe in. Hmm. And we have to ask why, why is it that I don't want to know God? Why don't I think about him? Why don't I desire to know him better? Well, sometimes it's because we've got maybe sin in our life and we know deep down that uh, to get close to God's going to mean giving something up. And I don't want to give that up. So I'd rather kind of, hide from God or, or try to follow at a distance, right? Uh, like Peter did on the night he was betrayed, uh, following Jesus at a distance. You're still following, but it's kind of like I'm, I'm following at a distance. And what happens when you follow it at a distance? Well, you start denying Jesus like Peter did, right? You follow at a distance, you're going to deny him. Oh, I don't know this. Right, why? Because we're not meant to follow him at a distance. Hmm. Uh, we need to get up close and personal. He invites us to come near. And so I think it could be because of sin. I think it's because we are fearful that God doesn't have what's best in store for our life. But the invitation is to come near, Tim, and we should all want to do that. Yeah. And, and just how important, uh, you know, with that is scripture reading and, and how, you know, kind of the idea of just desiring God and, and you know, ha- having this oneness relationship with him and, and you know, I let his thoughts be my thoughts and, and whatnot is so important. Um, and, and I think that's sometimes crowded out by our next one. You might be a functional atheist if you make your own rules for life and minimize what God's word has to say. In, in other words, that you are your own master. And I think this is one of the things that we're seeing kind of in our, uh, our American culture and even in our, our specifically our Christian culture is the the kind of the downgrading of God's word to be influential in our life. That's a book for long ago and for people you know far far away in time that we just don't think about anymore. So talk to us about how we can raise the level of importance of God's word in our lives so that we're not a functional atheist. You know, Tim, this is a biggie in our culture. I think a lot of people approach the Bible, uh, as I've said before, like we approach going to TCBY yogurt. You go into TCBY and you get some sample cups, you try out the different flavors, and then you decide on what flavor you want and you discard the rest. And I think people go to the Bible like that. Um, Hey, this is a great book of wisdom. There's stuff there. Uh, but they kind of do a taste test on on some of the Bible, and they don't like what it has to say about uh, their sex life. And so ah, I'm not going to worry about that. And they don't like what it has to say about judgment. Ah, I'm going to ditch that. And they don't like what it has to say about Jesus being the only way to heaven. Ah, I'm going to ditch that. And before you know it, uh, really what's happening is it's just a book that we consult because we're making our own rules for life. And if there are rules in there that we feel like, will benefit us, then we'll take those. But we're the magistrate over the Bible. Mm. Like, like we're not subservient to it. We don't show up to the Bible. And it like, see, here's the difference. When you go to a yogurt shop and you don't like yogurt, fine. That has to do with your taste buds. But when you go to the Bible and you don't like a portion of it, you can't treat it like taste uh, which can be subjective. Uh, this is God's word. So we have to ask ourselves, what's wrong with my heart God, that 
I'm struggling to believe your word in this area. And so I would say, and what's helped me tremendously is when I read the Bible, and it happens all the time, especially in the Old Testament, there's things I'm like, oh, this is bizarre, right? Like, what's this all about, God? Like, why, why are you doing this? I don't understand it. But instead of thinking that I have the freedom to just X that passage, I assume, well, I got to get into the context of the Bible. I give the Bible the benefit of the doubt, and I ask God to do some heart work on me so that I'm not making my own rules for life, but I'm submitting to him as the rule giver of my own life. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and again, I think that that sometimes leads to this next one. Uh, you might be a functional atheist if you make an excuse not to attend church even down to the point of thinking it's no big deal to skip. And so, you know, we've seen this influx uh, of people just kind of writing off church as necessary, particularly after COVID. They are out of the habit of it, and they're just really not interested in getting back into it. So just explain why, um, you know, meeting together is so important as the body of Christ. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting, or let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. And, um, this is, a, you know, a bad habit that we got. Uh, people today, um, you know, they're figuring out how to do church virtually. Well, Jesus didn't die a virtual death for us, and I'm glad he didn't. Uh, we shouldn't live virtual lives for him. We're called to be the body of Christ. We can do things virtually like we're doing right now, but we also need to engage. We need to get out of ourselves. We need to change our approach to church. We shouldn't have a consumer mentality. We don't go to church because of what we're trying to get out of it. We go to church because we want to be a vessel that God uses to bless others. So maybe we go to church just to smile or to help lift up chairs or to pray for somebody or to meet a guest. Uh, we go with a serving mentality or to go encourage your pastor who might just you know, need an encouragement, like just, hey, thank him for the meal he cooked that week. Right. Uh, th so there's ways that we can be encouraging um, with the way we approach church. But sadly, in a post-COVID world, people think, oh, I don't need to go to church. And so I read even recently uh, you know, about the danger of the statement, oh, the church is not a building, but a body. Well, the point was, I mean, obviously the church is a body, but some people take that and go, hey, the church is not a building, but a body. So they don't go to the building. And usually that means they're not around the body right. uh, because people tend to meet in a building, uh, right? It's not like we're always outside, especially in cold weather. So I would encourage uh, people that are in a bad habit of feeling, listen, uh, God's not created you to live your Christian life on your own, and there's no perfect church. Just get out of your comfort zone, go find a church, and go serve, and go make a difference. Don't complain about the church. Roll up your sleeves, ask the pastor where you can serve, make a difference, be a unifier, and, and be a part of the church. The, it, it's not existing for you as a consumer, but we are called to go and serve others to be a blessing. Amen to that. So in classic one-minute apologist function or, or fashion, we have one minute left. So you might be a functional atheist if you call spiritual disciplines legalism to make yourself feel better about your lack of it. So give us the explanation here in a minute or less. Yeah. I mean, this is, it kind of falls into the previous point, right? You got people, uh, I don't want to go to church each week. That's being legalistic, right? So I get it. There is such a thing as legalism, but imagine if we took the same approach as it uh, relating to church and our spiritual disciplines and other areas of our life. You know, uh, I'm not going to go to the gym uh, because it's legalistic. 
Um, I'm not going to eat three meals a day because it's legalistic. I'm not going to pay my bills on time because it's legalistic. I'm not going to have a staff meeting uh, on a weekly basis because it's legalistic. I'm not going to go on date nights with my wife on a weekly basis because that's legalistic. I'm not going to take vitamins because that's legalistic. I'm not going to go to an annual doctor's appointment for a physical because that's legalistic. Uh, So in other words, we don't do that in any other area of our life, but the functional atheist will be glad to do it when it comes to church and spiritual disciplines. Amen to that. Well, we hope that this list gave you uh, just, you know, maybe uh, uh, some time to reflect on your life and how you uh, incorporate God into your decisions and kind of where you're at with things. We would invite you as uh, listeners to this show, if you're interested in uh, our YouTube channel, please subscribe to that. If you've got to this point in the show, thank you so much for supporting us by listening. Please consider sharing this with other folks, and we will meet you next time on The Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.